Now, I keep mentioning this, and I believe one of these days it's going to be something special. Uh, I talk about singing these songs and actually singing them to the Lord. That's part of worship. You're not worshiping if you just sing the words and you don't even think about their meaning. But imagine, and I'm not telling you this because I don't know anything about it. When I sang this chorus, I was singing it to my Lord. And I was telling Him from my heart that He's worthy. He seeketh after those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Praise His holy name. All right. If you'd take your Bibles together with me this morning. And you can be turning to the book of Titus chapter 2. You might say, preacher, you've been in Titus chapter 2 about long enough now. Well, if I didn't have any place else to uh, preach from, I could preach from this till I'm a hundred or the Lord comes back or whatever. It's such an awesome passage of Scripture. And uh, the title of the message this morning is going to be Grace Our Teacher. Grace Our Teacher. And the message this morning is going to follow two of what I think are such special truths. I preached last Sunday morning and Sunday before last on the subject of grace and why it's more than God's riches at Christ's expense and unmerited favor. Those are the two definitions that we most often see related to grace. And I wanted to prove with the Word of God, without any doubt, that grace is something when He saves someone, He puts it in them. That it's effectual. That it accomplishes His purpose and will in our lives. And apart from that, there would be nothing accomplished. And so, I follow those two. By the way, I wanted to say if you missed them and you wanted to watch them and listen to them. Here a while back, I went to, I never had done this before. Anytime I, well, I don't have to look up the worship service. I'm always right in the middle of it anyway, see? So I don't need to do that. I don't miss any. I don't ever miss any. But anyway, uh, when I was away on a little time of vacation, I chose to look up our worship service on YouTube. I'd never done that before. I knew it was available on YouTube as it is on Facebook. And I, I went to YouTube, and I want to tell you this because... I found something pretty neat. I went to YouTube and in the search part of YouTube, I just typed in Emmanuel Baptist Church, Irving, Kentucky, and bingo, I found 10 months of worship services. 10 months. 
And I thought, wow, I'm going to tell everybody out there that's tuned into our, our, our uh, worship service that you can do that. So if you didn't see last Sunday mornings or Sunday before last about grace and why it's more than just favor, but that it is a powerful force that accomplishes God's purpose, then you can find them there. You can go there and look them up. So that's a neat avenue. By the way, I hadn't done this in in a worship service for a long time, and uh, my son Greg was dragging his feet and not giving me the information, but just a couple of things that I would want to point out. This is about the social media part. Uh, the views this past year was 31,882, the largest numbers of views ever with our social media involvement, the largest number ever. And the top five countries were the United States with 25,000, Philippines with 1,200, India 853, UK 685, and Canada 572. And uh, the downloads, the average download per month is... 133, that's actual downloads, that's about 33 a week. So the average will be, this week's worship service somewhere will be downloaded 33 times. That's total download. So I just wanted to share share that with you because you've been so faithful to support the work of our church and we believe what the Bible says that we're to preach the gospel to every creature, make every effort we can to do so. And it's a wonderful avenue for which I am thankful. So this morning's message will follow those two about grace being a force that is put in us, is put in us. Paul said that of all of the apostles, he said, I labored more abundantly than they all. Now listen to this. Yet not I but grace that worketh in me. Now I want you to think about that this morning. I want you to just think about that. But grace that worketh in me. Now this is a fact as we study the Bible. We learn that when God saves someone, He puts things in us. Now that was one of the lessons about grace, is that that grace is in us. It is put in us. You might remember that last Sunday I shared some definitions of that that relates to it being a force that works inside a person. I've come to believe, I know this for a fact, that if that grace is not working in someone, no matter what their claims might be, they're living a fruitless life. And nothing else will do it but grace that worketh in us. Paul had said prior to that, I am what I am by the grace of God. And that's true. I am what I am. You are what you are by the grace of God. And he puts it in us. I wake up every Sunday morning with a radio broadcast going on and uh, makes me want to lay in bed and listen when it's good. And it was pretty good this morning. And the preacher was talking about 
that very fact, things that he puts in us. And he was saying some of the neatest things about the covenant we're under, New, New Testament Christians under a covenant. He said the old covenant is no more. It was broken and it went away. The basis of that covenant permitted it to be broken. He said we're under the new covenant. And that new covenant will not ever be broken. And he shared these words. God said, I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their heart that they shall not depart from me. Do you believe that? That's something He puts in us. He puts grace in us. We're God-fearing people. How come? Because God put His fear in us that we will not depart from Him. Those are wonderful words that we find that are there. So this morning, I want to continue with my first mark of a, the peculiar people. That Jesus came into this world. Now listen to this. In verse number 14, He said, to purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. How many of you believe that? You better believe it. It's the Word of God. That's And so, I, I thought it was neat that this particular passage of Scripture sets forth some marks of the true believer. Of the true believer. So, hang with me now. Don't get uh, upset at me if I point out something that Maybe you don't fit too well in it. Then it'll make you go off somewhere and get on your knees and say, Lord, show me how to do better. And so the first mark, of course, as I shared with you last Sunday, just mentioning it, is that they are teachable. They are teachable. And so I read this as God blesses His Word, verse number 11, and this, this whole passage is 11 through 14. And I want to read verse 11 and part of verse 12 uh, to share with you the message this morning. They are teachable. They are teachable. Here's what it says. Verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. That's all kinds of men. That's not all men without exception, but all men without distinction. Because the grace of God has certainly not appeared to all men without exception. We would all agree with that. So all here means without distinction. I read it again. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. The first two words of verse 12, teaching us. Now I want you to think about that. Anybody with a normal brain, Brother Lloyd Mahanes used to say, if you got a spoonful of brains, you know this. Anybody would stop there and pause and, and think in their mind, how in the world does grace teach? I'm going to share with you something about myself that I know to be a fact. I know that the grace of God that brings salvation, I'm saved by grace through faith. Plus nothing, minus nothing. You can't add to it, you can't take away from it. I am saved by grace. I can understand the grace of God that brings salvation. I understand that. But let me tell you something else about me. Not only did it save me, but it's training me. Why would it be training me? What is the reason for that? Let me remind you that verse 14 says that Jesus came to purify unto Himself 
a peculiar people. I want you to know, if God has saved you by His grace, He's training you. Training me for what? Our Lord and Savior is going to have to be with you throughout all eternity. And I want you to know that the purpose of Christ coming into this earth was to redeem unto Himself. Purify unto Himself. It's something He's doing for Himself. He loved you with an everlasting love. That means that He wants to work in your life. The Bible says this, For it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do according to His good pleasure. I used to think, I did this for years, I've thought a lot of things through the years that wasn't exactly right, and thank God He teaches me to get it right. And so I used to think that that verse meant, for it is God that worketh in you, both to will and do, and the will and do was His will and His do of His good pleasure. And we know He does will and do according to His good pleasure. I couldn't say nothing to take anything away from that, but what I discovered about that text was that He works in me that I will and I do those things that He's pleased with. That's why He's working in me. You see, He's not going to leave me alone. He's not going to leave me alone because... Every step of that journey from beginning until grace gives way to glory, He's working on me. The little song, He's still working on me. And He needs to keep on working on me. And He needs to keep on working on you. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That He's not giving up. He's not going to give up. And anybody that knows anything knows that, man, I need to be worked on. I really need that more than anything. I love grace. I'm a preacher of grace. I'm going to always be a preacher of grace. I don't really want to know anything else. I love grace. And so, like I told you the story that time about what church that I pastored, a, a deacon's meeting, and I can see it just like it was yesterday. I was sitting on one end of the table, and the chairman of deacons was sitting on the other end of the table, and here's what come out of his mouth. Preacher, we've got some problems. And he was telling me I was the cause of the problem. He was telling me we've all got together and we've decided you need to leave people alone and let them do what the church has elected them to do. And you preach too much grace. And if he hadn't have made the remark, all of us have gotten together and decided, well, I found out later, that really wasn't true. There was a couple of them that hadn't gotten together on that. They didn't believe that. But anyway, that's what he said. I want you to imagine a grace preacher hearing that from the chairman of deacons. People are complaining, preacher, because you preach too much grace. Well, it wasn't just that Deacon, it was the whole congregation spreading that around. The preacher is preaching too much grace. Well, i got to tell you, I've never had anybody here in this church or any other church I pastor ever complain because of grace. The Bible says that God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And then in the very next verse, I think it is, is two words together that are precious words, 
more grace, He giveth more grace. I don't know about you, but I want more of it. I ain't got too much of it, I want more of it. And so, so grace, a teacher. Grace, a teacher. How could that be? Now, you would question that if you thought very much about that. Grace, our teacher. Now remember, I'm sharing with you that one of the marks is teachable. And now we would know just from that verse that the true, the true child of God must be a teachable individual because it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us. There's no need in teaching someone who's not teachable. It doesn't do any good. It does no good. How many of you have witnessed to someone and you tried to teach them or instruct them and you knew good and well it was just being rejected? wasn't doing any good. You can't teach someone that's not teachable. You just can't do it. It's not possible. And so, they are teachable. There are some that are unable to be taught. They are not able to be taught. Jesus was talking and He used words like this. He told His disciples, I teach you in parable because it's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it is not given. Did you know it has to be? It must be given. It must be given. He says, goes on to say, And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. For this people's hearts wax gross, their ears are dull of hearing, their eyes have they closed, lest at any time they should see and their eye, see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should be, understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. There are people who can't. There are people that if you assemble this sanctuary full of people who are not able, and the preacher stood and preached till he passed out, it wouldn't do any good. You either can or you can't. And the Bible says that. So there are some that can't. Then there are some, every once in a while, that won't. They don't like it. And so if they're a child of God, they're in trouble anyway. But anyway... Uh, grace not only saves us, but grace trains us. So it teaches us. Now it's obvious this morning that something must have happened for us to be teachable. And we've already looked at that. The soul must be in a position to receive instructions. And it tells us that uh, in chapter 3, the, uh, the following chapter in verse 5, I've done preached on this, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He has saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's regeneration. That must have taken place. No one is teachable apart from that. It cannot happen. And so, it's the grace that brings us salvation first. Grace of God that brings us salvation first. Then teacheth us. So this morning, I want to focus on how. How in the world is grace our teacher? Now, you haven't heard me finish preaching that subject this morning, so if I went around with a piece of paper and a pencil and I asked everybody, how, how in the world is grace your teacher? I, I wonder what kind of answers we get, but I'm not saying I'm any smarter than anybody else. I'm just saying I realized how dumb I was and depended on the Lord and He kind of taught me some things along the way. So how? Next Sunday morning I'll be sharing with you what? 
if grace is going to be our teacher, what is it that it teaches us? And the text bears it out. Now remember that Mark is teachable. That Mark is teachable. So how in the world is grace my teacher? Now, I want to point out some interesting things. And I want to point out something that I've done. If you go through the Scriptures and you look up and try to find all that might teach you or teach me or instruct me, you may discover that this is the only place in the Scriptures that I know about where grace is the teacher. But I tell you what I found out when looking through the Scriptures. I found out that in days gone by, under the old economy, the law was a teacher. Now the reason I know that the law was a teacher, and I know what the law taught, I know what it taught. It was very limited in its teaching. The Bible says that the law was our schoolmaster. Now that's teaching, isn't it? Amen? The law is our schoolmaster, and then it says to bring us to Christ. And I know how that happens. You know, somebody that believes in works salvation needs to just sit down and read the Old Testament through. You'll discover right quickly that if you're going to keep... Well, the Bible says in the New Testament that if you set out to keep the law for your justification, you've got to keep every bit of it. You can't leave nothing out. And what you would discover is this is impossible. This is not possible. That's how the law was my schoolmaster. That's what brought me to Christ. I knew, I found out that I could not be justified before God by my my works of righteousness. I could not be. There's no way. Those who believe they are justified by by their works of righteousness, i got a question for you. How many? You can answer that. How much righteousness? How much good works in order to be saved? You can't answer that. You go through your life and you never got any assurance about your salvation because you don't know how much. You don't know what you're going to get by with and what you're not going to get by with. But isn't it wonderful to know that's not the basis of our salvation. That's not the basis of that. So, in days gone by, the law was our schoolmaster. And when we study the law carefully, we determine, I need Jesus. I can't be justified by the law. I need the Lord. So that's one. Now, another one is, I found in the Bible, that God has called certain people to be our teacher. And and the Bible tells us that, well, it tells us that in the book of Ephesians, and I'll turn there and read that to you. Uh, it tells us that God has called some people to be our teacher. Now you might say, well, Brother Thomas, I want you to be my teacher. Well, you would be right in that. You'd be right because it's a scriptural way of being taught. And here's what it says in the 11th verse of that 4th chapter of the book of Ephesians. And he, that's God, gave some, this come from the Lord, apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. What for? For the perfecting, and that word perfecting is equipping, of the saints for the work of ministry, uh, for the edifying of the body of Christ, and that's our church, the local church, 
till we all come in unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto, unto the perfect or complete man unto the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried away by every wind of doctrine or by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay wait to deceive. Now this is not boastful, but you need to listen to your preacher. There's a benefit to it. Amen? And so, then people are called to be our teachers. So I found out that the law was my teacher, and it was. I found out that people have been called to be my teacher, and I thank God for many, many teachers that I've had. I thank God for some pastors that I've had. I was sharing with the folks uh, Wednesday night, what started me on this track of seeking the marks of the church was a preacher a long, long time ago when I was young. His name was Brother Gowdy. And boy, I tell you what, I remember him more than, I guess maybe, well, I can't say more than any other, but I sure do remember. And it's been a long, long, long time ago. Don't think for one minute that your child, your young person, is not picking up on anything that they hear from a teacher. Don't you think that for one second, because I've learned better. And so I found out that there were people that God had called to be a teacher. Then I kept looking and I found something else that's so interesting. I found out that the Holy Spirit was given as my teacher. And if I could just share with you a few verses that I run across, and you probably are well aware of them. Uh, for example, in John chapter 14, and we find these, uh, these words, uh, it says this in the 15th verse, Jesus speaking, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you don't love me, you probably won't. <laughs> right? Is that, that's reasonable. And he goes on to say, and I will pray the Father and He'll give you another comforter. You know who that is. That's the Holy Spirit. That He might abide with you forever, even the Spirit of what? Truth. The Spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But you know Him, and He shall, for He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Uh, let's see. I think it is chapter 16. I'm not sure. But let me see what this says. In the 25th verse, These things have I spoken to you in proverb, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in proverb, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. Um, it says, and I don't have exact scripture, when the Spirit of truth shall come, He'll lead you, listen, into all truth. So you mean the Spirit of God is my teacher too? We sing, Spirit of God my teacher be, showing the things of Christ to me. More, more about Jesus. More, more about Jesus. So, is He our teacher? I'll tell you a funny little thing. I did a funeral here, I don't know, a few weeks ago or something. It wasn't here, somewhere else. I can't even remember where I've done funerals in the past. But 
I cut loose singing. I was preaching and I just cut loose singing. Something like I just did. And Sue said, no, surely you didn't do that in a funeral. I did do it in a funeral. <laughs> it was on my heart and out of my mouth it came. Amen? Alright, didn't hurt a thing. Didn't hurt a thing. So, the Spirit is my teacher. Then I'll show you another. First John chapter 2, and this is a neat scripture. Verse 20 says this, But you have an unction. Do you know what unction is? In the King James Version, it's anointing. You have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. You want to be a know-it-all? As it relates to scriptural truth. Then this is how it comes about. And then verse 27 of that chapter says this, But the anointing, that's the same Greek word as unction, but the anointing which you have received of Him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you but as the same anointing teacheth you all things and is truth, and there is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in Him. So, He's our teacher. Now, I will say something about that statement that says, and you have no need that any man teach you. Well, preacher, that contradicts something you just said. You said God calls people to be teachers. That's not what that means, that you don't need to know man. It just means you don't need to be taught anything else or anything contrary. You see? That's what it is. And so, that Bible tells us that. So the Holy Spirit is my teacher. And then, uh, it's interesting, His Word is my teacher. In Second Timothy, back a page or two from our text, in chapter number 3, and I'll read these verses, verse 16 and 17, which says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for what? Instruction in righteousness. Now, I didn't do it because time restraints wouldn't let me do that, but I think in the book of Proverbs is an interesting book about instruction. I think it was 25 times I found it in the book of Proverbs. Really interesting about instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but the fool despises instruction. That's related to the Scripture. And so I found out that. Well, if I have all those as my teacher, preacher, can you tell me how grace teaches me? I sure can. I can tell you how. Grace works to motivate us to utilize every channel that God has given us for instruction. Grace is the motivator. Grace is the motivator. I got news for you. When someone has grace operating in their life, it will show. You can't hide it. You shouldn't want to hide it, you see. Grace is the motivator. You might say, well, preacher, I hear you say all the time that love is a motivator. If you love the Lord, you're going to want to serve Him. And it's true. Love is a motivator. So is gratitude a motivator. How many of you are here present to worship the Lord out of gratitude? Because so, you're so thankful for His mercy and love and grace He's bestowed upon your life. Gratitude is a motivator. Eternal things is a motivator. 
I'm thankful that I don't have to go through life spending all my time and all my effort on something that's going to go away someday and it's not going to amount to nothing. Like my daddy used to say, son, if it don't, won't matter a hundred years from now, it shouldn't be that important now. That was pretty wise words out of a man with a third grade education. But it's true. That's a motivator for me. There's going to come a point in my existence when I won't be here anymore. I won't be here anymore. And so the rest of my existence is going to be in eternity. I believe I need to be working on building things that the moth and the rust does not corrupt. And waiting on me when I get to glory. I need to be working on those things rather than only on the worldly things. When we get that part about what grace teaches us, it says denying worldly lust. I believe that's probably one of the most important things that God's people need to focus on. If we spend all of our time and our effort on something that's temporal, that's only going to be around for a little while. And then one day you stand before the Lord and realize, oops, my priorities weren't right. They were all wrong. I was deceived. Isn't that a sad note? You say, but preacher, I'm saved. And one of these days I'm going to be in glory with the Lord. And there's going to be drastic change that's going to come about when that happens. I agree with that. There's going to be drastic change. I preached about some of the things that the Lord's going to have to change in me. And I found it taught in the Word of God that He would, that He'd change me. But if you go through life thinking one of these days I'm going to leave this world and I'm going to stand before the Lord and there will be drastic change, I want to tell you something, my friend. Take this warning. I believe with all my heart that that change is going to be going on all during the existence of the individual with grace in them is that he's not going to wait to the very end and change everything that needs to be changed. He's working on us now. He's working on us now. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. That's what's taught in the Bible. And so, He's doing that. This is who the Bible's talking about in verse 14 when He says, Purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. You see, that's what the Bible tells us that we're, is happening. So, all these other motivators are true. Rewards. <laughs> that ought to be a motivator. I'd like to get a few. You know, I don't know that I merit them or worthy of them. And it's okay if I don't get any as long as I'm in heaven with the Lord. But I'd like to... I mean, I don't know if it would ever be possible to hear Him say good... Uh, uh, welcome my faithful servant or anything like that, you know. I, I'm just going to be glad to be there. Amen. I'm just going to be glad to be there. But anyway, the Bible talks about rewards. And we can build wood and hay and stubble uh, along through life. And one day, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, it's going to be tested by fire. And some of those things are just going to burn up and they're maybe on leopard ashes. And the Bible says we ought to be building things that don't burn up like silver and gold that are imperishable things. Rewards, that's a motivator. Grace working in you is a motivator. 
It makes us want to take advantage of every opportunity we can to grow in the Lord. The same grace that brought you salvation is working in you to prepare you to spend eternity with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It not only has it saved me, but it's training me. And I want to tell you something, this is not a boastful statement. I know that it's training me. I'm reminded every day of my life that it's training me. Correcting me. You say, preacher, you're the preacher. You don't need correcting. Oh, but I do. I sure do. The Lord saved me and He gave me a new nature, but He didn't take the old one away. That's why there's a battle that goes on all the time. That's why we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of the darkness. It's a constant thing. Never ending thing. And it will be until we leave this earth by whatever means that we leave this earth. Isn't that something? So how is grace my teacher? Grace is that power that God put in me that makes me want to take advantage of every other method of being taught. Every other means of instruction. It's the grace that worketh in me. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm thankful for it. Oh, I praise Him for His marvelous grace. Amazing grace. That's what it is. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You see that? That's grace. That's grace. Nothing else will work. Nothing else. My friend, I want you to know if grace is not in you and grace is not working, that's nothing that you can do to please the Lord. It's impossible. I hear people all the time say, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to quit drinking and I'm going to quit doing drugs and I'm going to quit running around and acting foolish. I'm going to straighten up so I can go to heaven one of these days. My friend, you're going to split hell wide open if that's the means by which you seek to go to heaven because the Bible teaches something altogether different. You'd be surprised how many people in this world that claim to be saved don't know the Scripture at all. They've got come up with their own plan. They don't know the Scripture. They just simply uh, do not. I, I was reading here a while back. I thought this was interesting. This preacher was writing, and what, what, he, was, what he was writing, he had, he had read Romans 12.1. And Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And the next words that he wrote was, Mission impossible. He understood that. I understand that. Mission Impossible. We simply cannot do in the strength and wisdom of the flesh what God would have us to do and be. We must trust Him to work His purpose in us. For it is God that worketh in you both the will and the do of His good pleasure. An interesting verse because the first word of that verse is for. 
And you all know what an important word that word for is. It's making reference to something that's just been said. And it means because. What was just said before that verse was, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I've heard people try to explain that as a verse that teaches that we work our way to heaven. That's not what that's teaching. Because if you find that next word which is for then you realize it is a process of working out what God has already worked in you. That's what it is. Work out your own salvation with fear and tremble for, because it is God that worketh in you. Both to will and do. In other words, both to desire and act in ways that are pleasing to Him. Thank God for His wonderful, amazing grace. His grace has brought me safe this far. And grace will lead me home. Through many dark dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace that's brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. Amen. When we've been there 10,000 years, Right, shining as a sun. We've no less days. No less days. It's going to go on forever and forever. God's marvelous grace. And if you're saved, there's an if there. You may not be. You say, but preacher, I've made a public profession of faith. That didn't save you. We're totally opposed to decisional regeneration. This preacher doesn't believe in it. That's something that's taught. Decisional regeneration. I heard a Baptist preacher a few years ago say, that decision will determine whether you go to heaven or hell. No, that's not true. The decision comes as a result of being saved, not as a way to be saved. God don't save you by decision. He saved you by His grace through faith. And then those things that follow, they just come as a result of a work of grace that's been done in your heart. It's the reason I've said many times when somebody steps out of the pew and comes walking up that aisle and they're going to come take the preacher by the hand and they're going to say, I'm trusting Jesus as my personal Savior. You know what I know? Dead men don't walk. Dead men don't make a decision. I know that when that foot stepped out of that pew, life had already been given. They wouldn't be coming if life was not given. And so He saves us. And then He trains us. There's no training apart from saved. There's no saving when there's not going to be training. It just, they go together. Father, thank You and praise You for the fact that you wrote in your word, you inspired it to be written for the grace of God that bringeth salvation and all men teaching us. Thank you, God, for teachable people. Thank you, God, for being able, from my standpoint, to be able to minister to teachable people. Thank you, Lord, because they bring honor and glory to you. And they understand they would not be teachable apart from your grace. 
Bless us now as we close this service. We'll give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me now while Brother Aaron leads us in a closing number?